And hello, welcome everybody. This is the BNY Gaming Podcast you are listening to. It's a little bit, a little bit different this week. You might notice this isn't your host, Owen Shannon, speaking. This is your host, Mark Gorski, speaking for the week. Owen, absent tonight. He is uh, quite ill. He's on sabbatical. You know, he's taking some time for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, the rumors are out there again. We see in the twit longers, and we're taking this very seriously. I and Odo had... will come back after we've solved these issues. Yeah, it's a bit of a mystery right now. I had heard he got a dog and he got bit by the dog. There was rabies. That's that's what I'm hearing the narrative is right now. But I saw I... a big Twitter post that said my long overdue apology, and I couldn't bear oh, myself no. to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, we're we're really hoping the best for him. But as you might have heard, that is the DM Peter Gorski. Peter, how are you doing this fine evening? good i'm feeling not i'm feeling not sick there was no twit longer owen really is sick he'll be back next week i promise he is, he is sick and there may or may not have been rabies i cannot confirm it and i like i yeah, said that before, i don't know I, I we really just don't know what what's going on there but uh we've got some stuff to talk about tonight something something about video games as you might expect but uh first thing i think i want to get into is that you know we record every monday or we upload every monday no, no, no. You're doing awesome. You're uh, doing a big up job. If Owen were here, he would be very upset right now. If thank he God were. he's not. Thank God he is dealing with rapies or whatnot. But we upload every other week. We are a bi-weekly podcast. Catch us, usually the three of us, just talking about games, bringing a couple topics to the table, something to go around. Um, but Please tell your friends to listen. We would love that, absolutely. Please, to, if, if everyone listening right now, go find a friend get them to listen, and then have them go find one friend and continue the cycle, cycle, and then this beautiful domino effect will make us incredibly famous and only benefit us. And we would really appreciate that. Um, I, you know, tell your mother. Mothers usually share things around. They got an office where they go to work. You can bring podcasts to work. It's around there. Uh, I'm not telling you what to do. But I'm just giving you suggestions. But the one thing I will tell you what to do is to listen to us talk about some of the video games we've been playing because it's going to be a little short. We don't have too much to talk about. But Peter, I want you to go first. Tell me what kind of video games you've been playing. All I've been playing is Minecraft with our friends, including ourselves. Okay. Game is so fun. Still a really fun game. They've added way, way more shit since I used to play what a decade ago almost if not what, exactly that what so many new enemies the, so many new biomes so many new items so many new environments just so much new shit what that, do you think the state of minecraft was like when you last played it oh that's a i mean i couldn't even tell you mm-hmm. something i'd like to compare because I, I i don't talk about it often but i'm regularly playing minecraft i don't bring it up in what i've been playing because i'm not going to talk about minecraft every week but I I'm with you. I think the, when I was last playing Minecraft it was like twenty. It was a little after Alpha, like a little around launch. Like Ender Dragon was was hot off the presses when I was last playing Minecraft. So quite a bit has been added. You're not wrong. So many biomes, right? So many enemies. I really we don't like, people don't talk enough about how good that game is. Everyone knows just like, oh, Minecraft is there. All the kids play Minecraft. It's on the computers at school. Blah 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 blah. But like everyone, it's 
genuinely a fantastic fucking game. A lot of new music too. Whenever you're down in the caves or the mine, and it's just really calming experiences. You can't see damn near anything, and there's mobs walking all around you. And this is the first time that we are ever actually pursuing a goal in this game of trying to fight the Ender Dragon. We used to play Minecraft religiously. We've never even attempted this before. I don't know why it's taken us this long, but I'm happy we're finally doing it because there's this whole new layer of fun, this whole new angle we've never actually done before that adds so much to it when you're actually like... When you're improving your house and your surroundings because it's actually working towards a common goal, it just adds a new layer of fun I've never experienced in Minecraft before, and I'm a big fan of it. But all I've been playing is Minecraft. I've not been doing any new single-player games. It's just been Minecraft, so that is it for me. Okay. I think the only thing I want to talk about... This is a bit of a surprise here. Um, something I have talked about on the podcast before, about being interested in playing, but the time just wasn't right until for $60 I saw a bundle of the game and it's hit new DLC, and I started Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, damn! Yeah. And um, I've made not too much progress. I think I'm close to like eight hours in at most. I've done like the first like major, major mission. Like plot has progressed. Uh, I have witnessed. Have you tried it before? No, this is it. This is the first time I was going into it. But my playthrough's on a minor hiatus, just because. I, like I like I've said, the biggest thing I wanted was some mods to kind of get into, hoping the scene was going to build. I couldn't wait any longer. I saw a deal, and I was kind of itching to play something new. So I, I tried downloading it. There's not too many mods right now. That, I mean, there's there's a decent chunk, but like they don't all work very well together yet. So you never know what you're kind of going to be getting if you try to download a bunch of mods. You're probably asking for problems. Um, the biggest one is just like an overhaul to driving because a lot of people at launch. I guess at now now also like you you compare Cyberpunk to like Grand Theft Auto, a game that has just like really good driving. Like you just, you just kind of assume Grand Theft Auto is going to have good driving at this point, you know, because it's it's GTA, it's Rockstar. Uh, you take for granted uh, good driving in an open world game, and that's what some of the mods here are trying to fix because the driving just I, I I don't even know what it feels like, but that's a common common problem i've heard a lot of people talk about but i got a mod it's covered it feels okay to drive right now but the the launcher that all the mods are housed in i had to install an update and now the game isn't launching whatsoever and i just don't feel like troubleshooting that right now super mario rpg is next week maybe i'll get back to this soon but like oh god i'm not looking to dig through all these files and figure out what went wrong in this update but it was it was nice while it lasted. Um, I, 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 I'm not promising I'm going to finish this game before the end of the year, but I liked what I played. I liked the characters a lot. And I do think the story was pretty cool so far, which I was wondering if it was going to actually be that. Like, I'd heard, like, from, from Launch, I've only played the base game. I haven't even touched anything Phantom Liberty. I, I couldn't tell you what the skills that have changed from beginning to end. Skills are kind of okay right now. Um, like as an RPG, I'm, I don't have any problems with it, but I haven't really sunk my teeth into a lot of the perks and upgrades and building my cyberpunk kind of character. Um, but from what I've played in the story right now, I'm I'm pretty invested, and I'm only so far into it. 
So I'm pretty happy. And I haven't even touched like any of the side quests. Like that the side quests have not opened up whatsoever at all yet. So that's this is a good sign for me right now. A pretty, pretty good sign. Um that that maybe I like it. Which which is a bummer to say, like, oh, this this is a great sign. I think I'm gonna like this game, but I'm just not gonna play it right now because I can't get it to work. And I don't feel like troubleshooting it. But I, I guess there's well actually one other game I can say I started, and I started another Legend of Zelda randomizer all over it. I, that's just, it's like, Mark, these are like when I would say the words Halo Wars 2 and then Owen would punch me through my computer screen. It's like, it's just, we know. We know you're playing these. Life moves, the sky is blue, grass is green, Mark is playing his Zelda randomizer. Have I talked about the one where it is Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask randomized together? No, and you, I mean, I can't stop you, but I'm I'm not looking uh, to go into detail. I just want it on the record that that's the randomizer. I I had started noted. one before, but you know it's just it's it's Ocarina of Time, and then there's a door that takes you to Majora's Mask, and it's scary, Peter. It's very scary because you got to find the Ocarina for Majora's Mask, and if you go back to Majora's Mask, the day keeps progressing. You go back to the second you left, and you just got to find the Song of Time. You got to find the Ocarina for Majora's Mask. It's and sometimes you got to dip your toes in that world over there. Sometimes you got to be like, I can't find anything in Ocarina of Time. Do I take a risk? Do I risk losing a day? Do I risk losing items that are only available on that first day or that second day? It's it's an experience, but that's uh, that's all I got to talk about. But we've got a couple of uh, topics we're going to be getting into today. Uh, you're going to see Owen join us a little later because we're going to be recording a little bit uh, a little bit late. One of these segments we're going to be talking about. Uh, Jeff Keighley and his Game Award nominees. We're going to be going over those, seeing uh, what we think. If we're going to be surprised by any of the nominees, we've we've Man, had. Man, I can't besties. believe Hi-Fi Rush was nominated for Game of the Year. I totally deserved it. That was crazy. Now I don't know the order Owen's going to want to put this in, but I'm going to assume that's the grand finale. So just take it with a grain of salt, everybody. If it's not, I'm I'm sorry for misleading. If you're hearing this after you've heard it, I'm I'm I'm. I'm happy that all the Game of the Year nominees are what they are. I hope it doesn't swallow those words. But first, a little movie is uh, in, in the circle, in the main stage of discourse right now. A certain Legend of Zelda movie that's finally been greenlit. There, there's been, for a while now, I'd say even before, before you know the Mario movie, there was, there was a talks of a Netflix project with... Legend of Zelda that Miyamoto eventually canceled. Do you know what I'm talking about, Peter? Is that yes, I do. Yes, that I was do. a real thing. That wasn't just rumor. Miyamoto yes, literally real. pulled the plug because he was upset about something. This is true. What was he upset about? I don't remember. I don't. It's it's Miyamoto. I mean, I if I remember correctly, it was something not worth pulling the plug on. Uh, well, of course, because that's what I mean by it's Miyamoto. Like I. Can I? Can we stop pretending like Miyamoto isn't just like failing upwards these last few years? Can we stop pretending it's anything but that? I mean, I would love it if Miyamoto just flat out said, "I have an apprentice, and he is going to be Miyamoto too." Yes, I would love if Miyamoto says, "I'm just going to do theme parks. I'm just going to focus on focus on building out Nintendo World. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything else in the company. Legally obligated, I cannot walk into." a room where a game is being developed at any stage. I'll see you all at Nintendo World Tokyo. I mean, Bye-bye. It's, it's very possible that he is shifting in a direction towards maybe like 
Nintendo brand ambassador. Has. Oh, that's exactly what we talked about before on the podcast. I mean, I think that's what he's doing, and now he's fucking up the movies. So it's like, well, don't do that either. Don't well, do that either. Well, we'll, we'll get into that because he did not He did a pretty. I want to say he did a good job with the Mario movie, all things considered. Even though I know you've seen it, right, Peter? You watched the Mario movie? I forget. Yes, I did. Well, Owen still has to watch the Mario movie, otherwise, I, I he screws with one of my predictions. He has to watch it, and I think. It was only fair that if he screws me over, I just get the point regardless. No. If, he, if, he, if he's deliberately... No, that you movie. chose for that kind of prediction. That's what you choose. I I think it's not fair. I feel like he... You can't be mad at your friend going for a joyride in your car if you gave him your keys. No. Don't, if you don't want him to go for a joyride, don't give him the keys. This is a competition, though, Peter. He had a strategic advantage here. He is abusing... You allowed him to have one. I don't know. He's counting cards right now, Peter. That's what he's doing. He won't watch the Mario movie. It's on Peacock. It's right there. And he won't do it. Mark, I got to tell you, with everything that's been going on, I in our lives, I really think, I don't think at any point, let's say random days, last Thursday or Friday, Owen's thinking to himself, at least I'm not watching the Mario movie right now, so I'm fucking Mark over. I'm, I don't think he's thinking. I'm just saying it has been on Peacock for a while now. I'm not trying to poke at him for it, but you know. If he watched the movie in the next month, you know that'd be pretty cool. If he didn't watch it, maybe, maybe we gotta take, uh, maybe we gotta take this year's predictions on ice for a bit as we kind of resolve some issues with it. But speaking of solving issues, one problem, one issue that can't be solved is the Legend of Zelda movie that was just announced because that shit's gonna be bad no matter what happens well, now. Well, let's let's break this down a little bit. There's there's a lot to talk about it with it. So I I want to start with just saying, Peter. You know, we I feel like we kind of knew we were kind of headed in a direction of we're getting more Nintendo movies after the Mario movie. It just made so much money. It was the highest grossing movie until Barbie showed up. You know, that's kind that kind of means something. Yes, it definitely does. Yeah, that means a lot. And of course, Nintendo's going to look at that and be like, ah, yes, well, more is coming. Um, and I mean, remember, one of my predictions was that they were going to next announce a Donkey Kong movie, mm-hmm. which. You're not gonna get. That's crazy. That's that's crazy to think that that actually isn't going to happen. I mean, especially, I, I spoilers for the Mario movie. You look at the post credit scene. It's like, well, I guess they really aren't doing a Donkey Kong movie next, if anything. Um, but Legend of Zelda is where they're gonna be going, and they're doing live action as opposed to anything animated, and that's that's a point for contention. Do you feel that's the right move? Are you? I mean, I, I mean, I should ask. Are you, you're not even a big Legend of Zelda fan, would you even go see this movie just based off of what you know? Well, the uh, the theoretical one or the one that's been announced that's being produced by Sony and Avi Aaron? Yes, that, the, the, the Legend of Zelda movie. Will, will you go see it? We no. haven't seen a shot of it, so it's hard to really say. No, well, sure. I don't have to because I've seen other things that Aaron has done and they're all fucking garbage films and he's a joke. And the, the seeing his name... Mark, literally go to Twitter and put his name in and you will just see tweets with tens of thousands of likes of just people dreading the fact that his name is attached to this movie. It is the kiss of death. Kiss of death for this movie that Sony is producing. And Nintendo could have gone to anyone. Anyone with a live action Zelda? Are you kidding? Any studio would have taken that up. And they go to Sony. What the fuck? 
What's his life? I mean, it is a very strange thing. It's not where I really thought they would have gone first. And it's interesting that they wanted to do live action instead. Because, you know, Miyamoto, just like the Mario movie, has said he's going to be very closely involved with the production of this. So this is a very conscious decision that they want it to be live action. And that's... That's, we will not be getting our Super Smash Brothers movie. I don't think we are. That's that's honestly was my biggest takeaway when they yeah, said this. Like, like, oh, we're not, not doing it. <laughs> we're just not going to Smash here. And if we are, that I, I no. It's, if we I, are, I, then I, just put it out of its misery. Like just do it, please. please don't. What, what was the name? The last name of the the producer who's involved is he? He's not the director. He's just a producer. He's the producer. Avi Arad. It's A R A D. If only there was a mythical third person in this Discord call that correct the way I'm saying his name in case I'm fucking it up. Oh, well, though. Unfortunately, it's just us two. All right, then. It's just us two. But, uh, yeah, I mean, anyone who's a fan of the Spider-Man movies will know that this man has been meddling in these in the Spider-Man franchise since Spider-Man 3. You want to know why that movie was so bad? You can lay it all on his shoulders. You want to know why the Amazing Spider-Man films are so bad? You can lay them on his shoulders. He is a man who is very well known for interfering in the creation process of films and forcing and cramming his own thoughts and ideas down the throats of the directors and writers who are working on said films because this guy, because he just seems to think he knows what's best when he's proven time and time and time again that his decisions not only create uh, go for making bad movies but also financially hurt his company because these movies will then do worse at the box office because of his bad ideas and the fact that and again, but also it's like it's not comforting to me that oh don't worry about him Miyamoto is gonna be there Miyamoto made Star Fox Zero. That's not back to like the man's built with golden ideas and that he could do no wrong. He's he's past his prime in terms of great ideas. I'm sorry. I like Miyamoto. I respect the living hell to Miyamoto. But I'm if if he ever if the next Nintendo Direct is announced that he's working on a brand new game, I'm not gonna be that excited. I'm not gonna be down. But I'm not going to be jumping for joy the way so many other people will be because they see his name. Because I no longer see the the name Miyamoto and think this is a guaranteed good idea. Have you, I'm curious, like you're saying about this this producer, how it has to be his way or the highway. Does is it going to be an immovable object meets an unrelenting force? The force being. Miyamoto and his will and what he says has to be done. I mean, I'm willing to bet that Sony hasn't worked with a company as prestigious as Nintendo at this point. And that any other any other individual directors or other studios they might have worked with, I don't think would have have had as much sway or as power as much power and authority as Nintendo does. Because Sony knows that Nintendo could have gone to anyone for this and they showed us them. So it's like, all right, this is going to be a working partnership or else we'll walk. I mean, yeah, this is this is a franchise they could be walking away from. They have to do this right. You would think they would want to do it uh, as or treat it with such care. And we, we have no reason to believe, knock on wood, necessarily that this movie is already, you know, out the window bad. You know, we I, I, I think it will be. <laughs> I mean, we we have reason to say the glass is half empty right but maybe the glass is half full you know maybe with Miyamoto with all of the eyes from Nintendo that they will not let anyone go an inch off the beaten path but that could be for better that, that, or that could be for worse because like I don't know what story they want to tell in a Legend of Zelda movie 
Like, do you think it would just be a retelling of a game or are they going to try to do something fresh? Or I think, I think the most boring thing they could do is they do a retelling of the first Legend of Zelda, honestly, which has like minimal to no story, but you know, it's going to be inspired to an extent by the Mario movie where it's going to be crammed full of references. But for Zelda, you can't, or you shouldn't, I should say, looking at fucking Tears of the Kingdom right now, you shouldn't just have small little references to everything from the game when you've built a large timeline where all these things have some sort of narrative and story significance that maybe maybe you don't want to do that for the movie. I, I, I feel like you do Ocarina of Time. Like, that's just the easy answer. That one has... Uh, you know, a story to work off of beginning, middle and end. There's a hero's journey story in there. Uh, and Ocarina of Time, I feel like, is arguably the most iconic. I don't I don't know if, if it is anymore. Would you say, Peter, Ocarina of Time is the most iconic Zelda game? Or is it Breath of the Wild at this point? I mean, but Breath of the, I mean, Ocarina of Time is iconic for its story at this point. But I feel like Breath of the Wild is iconic. Like. If you were to see if you were to hear any Breath of the Wild movies being made, I feel like you'd have a lot more people going. Uh, okay, because you play that game for the gameplay. Ocarina of Time is iconic for its narrative, I feel. Mm -hmm. But a big part of that, a big problem, I think, that they'll they'll have to figure out. Do you put Link in the green tunic, or do you put him in Breath of the Wild wardrobe? You put him in the green tunic. Do you, though? Because I feel like, I'm I'm not going to lie, I think part, not that this is like reason number one, number two, or anything, but something that kind of contributes, I feel like, to the long tail and more main stage appeal of Breath of the Wild is that they got rid of that costume. Because I feel like a lot of people would look at Link in this, that outfit and say, oh, I don't. I don't want to play that. But put him in Breath of the Wild. Well, thankfully, they're not. not playing it. They're watching. It's a completely but different experience. So they don't it, have to put themselves in the character. And also, I mean... We're not going to treat this like it's a superhero movie where he gets the green tunic at the final act of the film. It's like, no, it's a Zelda movie. Just give him the tunic after like half an hour. That's what he looks like. Build the world around him so that it makes sense for him to look like that. Don't be like, Link is in Chicago. He's in the he's in our world. Like, don't do that shit. If it was animated, I'd say, oh, yeah, they'll do the tunic. But it's not. So they got to figure out how, how they maybe try to make it look not uh goofy because there are some iterations but no i know but i i disagree i disagree because just build the world around him to also look goofy build the world do a good job with the setting and the look of the film so that if he's wearing the iconic green tunic in the world he inhabits it makes perfect sense for him to be wearing an outfit like that they've only ever done that so often that's i I mean what are you talking about? We've never seen a Zelda movie before. I mean, they've never done, they've never attempted this. We don't know if it's going to work or not. I'm talking about the games themselves. Skyward Sword writes in a reason as to why he has the green tunic the way that he does. That's just how the Sky people wear stuff, and his just happened to be green, and he starts the timeline, and then that becomes a sacred outfit. Ocarina of Time is a little bit like, oh, the Kokiri, they just wear green, you know? That's how that works. But I don't know. It's I will play Twilight Princess if the green tunic is not in the game and not in the movie. Because you're so obviously wrong on this. You like I don't I really don't I do. Know. No, I know. I, I know I know he'll be in the green tunic in the movie at some point. He just will be. 
Legend of Zelda has not had the reach that Mario has had. You know it's not bringing Mario numbers unless... You think the green tunic could tank this movie at the box office? I I think they would look at it and be like, we are risking reaching less people. Are you out of your mind? No, not at all. I think Yes, I think you might be. Because you're talking crazy talk right now. Changing the tunic to the champion's tunic, I think, was something Nintendo had been looking for the opportunity to try to do. And go in open world, trying something new was their moment where they could really seize that and just get rid of it. I I really think from this point on, Link will be wearing a different outfit every game. Every I don't think that's game. true at all. He's going to look. I think you are. I think you are talking respectfully out of your ass. I don't know what the fuck you are talking about. That is one of the most iconic character designs in all of gaming. You're and not just yeah. going to ditch it. If you want to ditch that for like the Breath of the Wild series of games, that makes sense. But for the rest of Zelda it's like history or it's the rest of it's, it's uh, the rest of the series in its entirety, for however long it exists. They're never going to do the green tuning again. Yeah. No, yeah, no. This is the... No, here's why I know you're wrong. Because this is coming from the guy who was rubbing his fucking hands together going, what are they going to do with the Zelda timeline? Clearly, they're going to have so many things in store. Wow. <laughs> and then they looked at you and they spit in your mouth. That's what they did. Because they don't care about that kind of shit. Whatever Zelda fans like, I bet Nintendo's going to do this. Nintendo says, shut up. And then I they mean, just do whatever they want. And you but, all go, I hate this. And then you eat it up anyway but i've talked i mean i i am 99 sure i've talked to the podcast what they said about the sheikah technology and how they recently just in an interview explained how in tears of the kingdom all the chic tech is just absent and they asked the developers why is that and i talked we've talked about this before you know the reason yes okay right that it just disappeared I know, and, no one and knows you are why. letting this, you are now acting, you have been acting with, you've been going at the Zelda series with just a flamethrower of burn it all. Like, no like no one in Nintendo cares, no one can, no one in Nintendo cares about any form of consistency with the entire series of Zelda, they're completely starting over, no one cares about what came before, and it's like, that does not apply to the fucking green tunic. That's the look, he's gonna have that in the movie. I think maybe it gets referenced and maybe he gets it by the end of the movie. But I think I mean, that would still count what I'm saying. I'm saying he's going to be getting at some point in the movie. He's going to be wearing it either at some point in the movie. He will have the green tunic, not just for a second as a gag. He will have it as his outfit. I don't think he has it for most of the movie, though. And, you know, in fact, Peter, I want you to pinky promise me something. Huh? Pinky promise me this will not be one of your predictions for next year because it's going to be one of my predictions for next year. That most of, if it comes, I mean, we don't have a year. It's not coming out next year, are you insane? You're right. You're right. It's not. You're right. I'm, I'll hold this, but remember this moment, Peter, that you will not take this prediction from me, that he will not be wearing. That's just such an odd hill to die on when you're so obviously going to be wrong. I don't think I am going to be wrong because I'm, I'm, I really think. The Zelda franchise moving forward. We live in a different world. The green tunic is, you know, it's a nostalgic item. It's in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom as like a collectible. Like it's like, oh, look, you got this. And in Breath of the Wild, it's your reward for completing all of the shrines. You get the tunic of the wild, which is. God, Tears of the Kingdom really fucking broke you, didn't it? I, I can't emphasize. It's Breath of the Wild was a cool change of pace. And Tears of the Kingdom said. We're steering harder in a, a direction that you don't want us to go. 
all the way. And I'm just like, hey, you're right. Well, this was fun for a while, but maybe maybe we go back. Maybe maybe we don't throw our history away here. Maybe we don't just take every Zelda game and everything is just Easter eggs and just trample all over our lore, you know? And now that they're making a movie based in the setting, it's just like, well, you've already shown me once how you care about story. And I still, to this day, do not understand how people are what going out saying, will the tears the of the kingdom writing team have anything to do with the film i mean anything at all it's it's not so much that team but miyamoto is going to be there and be like this is what we expect from a legend of zelda story and the guy miyamoto like, had nothing to do with tears of the kingdom but he doesn't give a shit about narrative you know he just made the mario movie and said this is what but he cares done. about merchandising he cares about marketing how do you market a zelda movie you put link in that fucking green tunic because that's what I, everyone recognizes i don't think it is maybe maybe in a poster you do do you think more people recognize link from his breath of the wild outfit than the green tunic give it time give it time. right now well right right now i think i think probably not but probably not. it's no the answer is just no how many people look at link in his breath of the wild tunic and say oh that guy looks cool i will play that guy's game if you didn't know link right versus you see what link are you in the talking game. about i i they did they made this decision for a reason peter i promise you this is what it is this they, is why i mean happened. they looked up they did breath of the, they, they changed the design for breath of the wild because it was a brand new attempt at a zelda game it was a brand new formula damn it had never been done before they wanted a brand new start with that you are not trying to like mark you're trying you're trying to you're selling me on like an 80s action movie like our main character has to look cool he has to look badass he has to be buff he has to look like he fucks like no one thinks about like no one thinks like that anymore no one's looking at a poster of a zelda movie seeing link at a green two to go like he looks like a fucking soy cuck beta male like no one's saying that shit it's the opposite. People there is a large part of the Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom fan base that looked at Link in those games and like, man, Link got really hot. And they wanted to see him sleep with Sidon the Fish Man. So much so that Nintendo spoilers for Tears of the Kingdom. Nintendo had to appease these people in the game. Did you know this about Tears? You know you knew this about the Breath of the Wild fan base, right? That people yes. were shipping Link and Sidon like crazy. Like it's it was I feel like one of the biggest things that come out of the fandom of that game. And then in the sequel in the Zora's domain, they erected a statue of Link riding Sidon. It's just there. A statue of him riding it, commemorating when Link had to ride him to get to the Divine Beast in Breath of the Wild. But to counter this, Peter, they wrote in a fiancé for Sidon to imply that it could not happen. It's not meant to be. Which I don't think the fans were as keen on making that decision. But my point here being, people looked at Link's new appearance in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom and said, "Man, this this is really working right now." Just coincident. Sure, it was. Sure, these are two of the greatest two games ever made. People would argue. I would argue one of them is one of the greatest games ever made, but that's just me. And one of them is the most impressive games ever made, but that's just me. But I really think that that his appearance and his design played a really Played a pretty played an important role to making people look at that and easier to kind of uh, get into that, uh, get into the Legend of Zelda more than it ever had before. 
Mario would like look just as ridiculous. In no, in the, yes, in they the do. champions tunic. You think Link looks ridiculous in the champions tunic? You do apparently. No, I don't. I love that design. I love the champions tunic. I wore it for like the entirety of my Tears of the Kingdom playthrough. You are letting your opinions on Tears of the Kingdom cloud your judgment on everything else that has to do with this franchise because you hated that story so significantly. I think, respectfully, this is not me putting fingers in your eyes, but as your brother, you just sound petty. You sound like you're holding a grudge, and you're just just spewing your venom everywhere you can on this franchise, especially a movie that will have absolutely nothing to do with Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, nothing at me- all. Let me tell you this. I am more concerned about where the Zelda series is at and how that's going to influence this movie than I am more than I'm concerned that the producer of Morbius is working on this movie. Well, then you shouldn't be because one of these people is objectively worse than the other, and it's not Miyamoto. I think this producer, this Avi Arad, Arad, however you pronounce his name, I do not know. I apologize. But I think Miyamoto is going to... Uh, rip him a new one. I don't think he stands a chance against that man. That guy, he gets what he wants, and he's going to have Sony's on his side. You know, it's I, I, I just, I just wonder how grand it is going to be. I don't even know how grand this is. Like, what, what kind of movie is this? Is it a small scale adventure? Or do they try to be like this is Lord of the Rings, Zelda? Like, we are going. There's going to be a big battle, and Link's going to be in here. Who plays Link? I don't even know where to start. I, I'll, I think we do. Think it's not Tom Holland. It's yes, not, it is. It's not. I, be Tom if Holland. people are saying that on Twitter, I haven't seen it, but I see it because Sony, that company, loves them so much, it would easily be Tom Holland. It would be stupid if Sony's like, "Hey, do you?" Want of to course, be it would be Spider-Man stupid. I'm not saying it's stupid. Drake. That's the problem with that fucking company. Is it just makes stupid decisions after stupid decisions? Their entire like, it just. Thank God they own PlayStation. That's the only thing that's seemingly running well at that goddamn company. Of course, being Tom Holland being Nathan Drake was a stupid decision. They fucking did it anyway. Of course it would be stupid. And that's why they're going to do it, because they know how to make good movies. I wonder if they're at a point where this, like, I think he's on the decline. I think his time is up. He's not, though. What was the last movie he was in that people adored him? I don't. Well, I don't know. He took a break at acting for a couple years because he did all that Spider Man, and then we had the SAG After Strike. So if any of his works come out recently, he hasn't advertised it, so we don't know. That's fair. Damn. Okay. Well, that would be a bummer. I think that would be a huge bummer if I'm begging you to have your expectations in hell for this thing. I'm begging you. The combination of Avi Arad and Miyamoto. With Sony producing, it's like, this is going to be a piece of shit. And all they need to... Like, literally, we're talking about how they could never do Tom Holland. Miyamoto was happy that Chris Pratt was Mario. What are you talking about? Tom Holland's the other side of the Chris Pratt coin. Of course they could cast him. No, they wouldn't do it. I think... I know they would. I know that they would want to do it. But I think... Tom Holland will be playing our coincidental hero, Link. He's so cool. You can see he's it already. So cool. He's already recorded the line for a directed year when they're announcing the casting. I want Michael Sarah as Link, personally. I think that he'd make a great Link. Miyamoto is just going to pick really popular people for this movie, like he did for Mario, since he is so involved. He, The way he's describing this, he is as involved with this as he was with Mario. And he is so obviously just going to pick popular names, albeit 
some of the names he picked for Mario paid off its spades. Jack Black was fan-fucking-tastic in that movie. Mm-hmm. But, worked. again, that's voice work. doesn't really matter who you pick in the grand scheme of things as long as they can voice act. The Legend of Zelda is going to be a much bigger thing because it's just it's going to just be the actors. And if it's a weirder choice, it's going to have much, much heavier consequences to it. Who do you think? I, I mean, I don't know if you think you'd you have anyone in mind that you would want to see in any of the roles. Because I know I don't. I don't have anyone I think is a perfect Zelda Ganondorf or Link. And at that point, it's also I like have who, no preference for who plays what character. If Jeff Bridges was like the King of Hyrule, that'd be cool. I guess I'd take him as a King of Hyrule. Again, we don't even know if it'd just be an original story or if they would be adapting a game. Why am I getting so stuffy? I don't feel sick at all, but I'm getting stuffy. It's the rabies, Peter. It's contagious. That's so weird. Like I don't feel congested anywhere else, but I'm getting stuffy. I know. I, well, I know it's something. But keep talking. I I want to ask you this, Peter. You know I'm a big Zelda timeline guy. Of course, it's more important. Too, you're too big of one. I I could it's, argue it's more important than the game, the timeline, as we all understand. But um, what if? Because you know. A big tragedy was that they said when because in the timeline, Notorious, this timeline splits into three different timelines at Ocarina of Time. Oh, my God. Because of some time travel stuff. And then they said, well, then they all come back together into one timeline. And that's Breath of the Wild. And that really sounds like something you tell a toddler to get them to shut up. The Zelda timeline will have nothing to do with this movie or any other Zelda movies that follow. I swear to you on Owen's life. What? If. This movie tells a story of how the timelines get wrapped together. Nope. Uh, I, don't I will not humor you on this quest. I don't want it either. I think that's stupid. The idea that three timelines come merging together is... You're only saying that because I said no. No, I, I stand by this. It's like the idea that Breath of the Wild was the three timelines coming together. I cannot tell you how my heart sank when I heard that news. The because first time that's them saying we're sick and tired of you all asking us this question. Here's the answer. Shut the fuck up. I'm sick and tired of them acting like we didn't. They did. They didn't put a timeline that that was so extremely interesting together. They did this. They put this timeline together, and we ate it up. That's all I'm saying, and that's really the most important thing here. Is oh, well, that's this is what matters the most to me. Because if you're gonna tell, if you're gonna make a Zelda movie, it's about the story. You know, if you're gonna make it live, I action, hope. I hope that's what happens. There's, there's going to be a spider with a giant eyeball at some point. That's one thing I could predict. Link's going to shoot an arrow at the eyeball, and it's going to die. All I can say is this has me now worried for future Nintendo movies. All oh, the Mario thing, it's like, all right, good, it's animated. Get, you know, don't do as much, like, like no, like, less take-on-me sequences and more organic Mario soundtracks in the future. But they're going to be doing a Donkey Kong movie, Luigi's Mansion movie, more Mario movies. Okay, that's fine. Link, they're sending it out to die. Really now shows me that it really will be a flip of the coin. And it now does prove to us that it's not just going to be Illumination. They're going to multiple studios with each franchise. They're pouring these out as much as they can. So, I mean, I, you will see Metroid at, something, at some other company. You will see Kirby somewhere else. Like whoever else they choose, to, whatever other franchises they pursue. Which is not the direction I was expecting they were going to take it. I mean, it's it's a live action part that really puts the nail in the coffin. Nail in the coffin isn't the right phrase. It seals the deal for what I what you think the tone is going to be. 
of this that they're going to take it more seriously there isn't going to be a take on me in this you know sony that's not what they do right this is not the kind of yeah spider-man 3 was a very serious film you're totally right spider-man 3 is the exception i don't they they try to go for a more serious tone. Look at Morbius. Morbius wanted to be the most serious movie on the planet. And it was the biggest fucking joke in existence. So much so that Sony re-released a movie thinking they were in on the joke and then no one saw it. Well, that was That's one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen a movie studio do. <laughs> it was very funny. I won't lie. But they it'll be that power. It's also Legend of Zelda's not trying to be edgy. Unless if they did like a Majora's Mask of Twilight Princess, which I don't think you would do. Not right just, off the bat. No, it's not the tone they want to set for a Legend of Zelda movie to go off. Just uh, do Ocarina of Time. It's really the safe pick. I feel like that's that's the one you do. You do Ocarina of Time. You do... I don't. I really don't want them to do an original story because I don't think it would be uh, done very well. It'd be oh, too it would be terrible. Rails. It would be for something with that they want to take a little bit more seriously where Mario is so much more lighthearted and isn't about the story. You can, you could tell whatever, you know, you can have Bowser steal the superstar and Mario has to get it. That's, that's the movie that works. Zelda though. It's like, Oh, well, you know, the Triforce is going to be involved. You know, Link is going to get the Triforce of courage, but like, how is he going to do it? How are they going to write that? It's going to be one for one, like something from the games or, or not, but but like I don't know how you tell the story of Ocarina of Time in ninety minutes, really poorly. That, well, the the thing is with that now you, you're not casting someone as Link; you're casting two people as Link as you're doing that. And also, that means, Link doesn't talk. Well, he's going to now. You can't just well. Not that's what that's what that's the crime of it. Like I feel like you can't do an Ocarina of Time movie and start at the time skip. You're missing out a lot. And the, the, the beginning part just has to be there. So there would be two links. A child. They will have to cast a child to be in this movie if they do Ocarina of Time. You're giving... Which, the, I just don't think they're going into this movie with this attitude that you are. Well, if you're going to do Ocarina of Time, what are you going to do? Not have Young Link in the movie? Young Link is in the opening credits as they're saying, like, starring Tom Holland is Link. No. Starring you know? so and so, and it's just going to be a montage of Young Link. No. Oh, easily, yes. No. Oh, easily. No, I'm not no, this. no, no. Oh, yes, they, yes, Navi's they definitely gonna will. Be a, Navi's going to play a big part in the movie because it's going to be Link's companion, right? And she'll be voiced by Scarlett Johansson. I guess that's absolutely, absolutely. Right. Scarlett Johansson will be CG. All of the Gerudo, or will be Navi. Those are the only options. Um, but she, she's going to be Link's companion. You can't just introduce her because she's Link's fairy, Peter. Link is notorious in Kokiri Village that he didn't have a fairy, and all of a sudden he has one given to him by the great fairy, and they're going to play off that dynamic because that's how it worked. Look, you're you're looking for reassurance in the wrong place. It's going to be an opening sequence of young Link, and then once once the credits are done... It's going to just be adult Link, and we're just going to go. Absolutely not. And if not, if not Ocarina, dare I mention? It's Ocarina. Uh, here's what I'm saying. It's either Ocarina or a, it's just an original story. Breath of the Wild's really not on the table for you? No, not at all. Not It's not even a possibility. You see, the problem is, I feel like you have to, you can't do Breath of the Wild because Ganondorf's not in it until Tears of the Kingdom. You need Ganondorf in the movie. 
Exactly. But I could see them trying to spin a story out of Breath of the No, not for the first movie. I could see them wanting to do a movie eventually. But right now, it's I, like I feel like you, they would just call the movie The Legend of Zelda, right? I don't think they would call it The, the, anything the Legend of Zelda movie. Unless they do Ocarina of Time, do they just call it Ocarina of Time? It's. They feel like. I. Well, I was I about, they called the Mario movie the Super Mario Brothers movie. Well, they just called it sense. This Is the Thing. Mario and Zelda are just so different, though, in that way. The Legend of Zelda movie just kind of. Like the Super Mario Bros. movie, like that sounds like. A kids movie, right? The, the way that they're phrasing it's what like, do this you is think the movie. This is gonna be Mark. I hate to be the one to t- break the bad news to you. It, wouldn't it ain't gonna be for adults. What was Lord of the Rings rated? Surely that's a PG movie. Lord of the Rings rating. Okay, these are critic reviews. This is not what I wanted. Okay, PG 13 for epic battle sequences and some blood. Will there be blood in the Legend of Zelda movie? That's a great If point. anything, you got a bit of like green goo from a goblin or something, and then that's it. If they do Twilight Princess, maybe there's blood. Well, that, well we finished. If, if, if there's anything they're not starting with, they're not starting with Twilight Princess. That I can promise you. How whimsical is it going to be? Because it's live action. Like I feel like if you really wanted to go that route, why not animate it? I don't know why they're... I don't know why they're doing a live action when they've already started with an animated with Mario. I don't understand. It this now this does just feel less coordinated than we had talked about on the podcast for the last like year or two. We had given them so much credit and now it just seems like they're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean like we're we we haven't seen anything. We don't know who they're casting. As they make more decisions before even just getting to a trailer, it's gonna inform us what they want this movie to be once we know who's in it once we know for sure production is actually going to be moving along swimmingly because i could totally see that there's some conflict on the creative side of production and maybe this does get iced somehow but i I would imagine it's not getting iced no it's not i would imagine both nintendo and sony would be i need you i need you to accept because you keep saying, well, if they did this, it would be bad. If they did that decision, it wouldn't make sense. I need you to accept that they will make those bad or stupid decisions because they're going to make money off this fucking movie. But how do they make the most money off of it? Do they put Link in the green tunic? I don't think they do. All right. Well, yes. I mean, yes. Yes, they do. They are going to put Link in the green tunic. Get that. Get that thought. Get the, get the thought of otherwise out of your head. Because you're just gonna, you're gonna, he's gonna have it the first like half hour, and you're gonna have like your arms crossed. Like this doesn't make sense. They're not gonna make the movie. And everyone's gonna walk out of the theater now. No one wants to see this. I'm ready to enlighten people as to why the lore of Zelda is the most important part of this. You movie. will be escorted out of the movie theater by security as you're screaming at the game, going, "This is no, this is only supposed to happen in the second timeline. This doesn't make any sense. Listen to me." I mean, if there's an ocean in the movie. And there's no there's no reason to be an ocean. Yeah, I would be upset if it's like no, that's from the Wind Waker timeline, Peter. That can't be an ocean, a fucking ocean here. That's ridiculous. I'd be. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about the Zelda movie, or should we get on to the Game Awards? Do you think it's the only thing I'd want to ask? Because I think this is just a quick point. Do you think it's weird that Nintendo approached Sony, their video game? Oh, aggressively. Yes, their competitor. Again, they could have gone to anyone they wanted. 
any single movie studio would have been stupid not to hear Nintendo knocking on your door for a Zelda live action. Are you kidding? They could have gone to anyone and they chose Sony. I'm so fucking confused by that. I do not understand. I do. I Miyamoto is a weird man. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind that Miyamoto would have had the final say as to who they worked with and they chose Sony for reasons I will maybe understand in the future, but as of now, I'm completely, completely just wondering why. Yeah, I, I I don't know who they would have gone for with it. Like, really, Netflix was, like, I feel like the best option, which isn't going to put your movie in theaters necessarily. No, exactly. You know, no, but... I disagree then, because Netflix wouldn't have done theaters. If they did theaters, it would have been like, on one weekend only. No, they want mm-hmm. this thing in theaters for a long time. Mario was yeah. in theaters for a long time. Yeah, and that's I bet that's a big... Well, it's not the biggest reason. Let's fucking go to, like, Universal no, but... or Paramount or something. Like, why, like They fucking... have a relationship with Universal, too. So it's exactly! Like, like, you already go to, like, you already have to go to... If you're going to do live action, it's not like Illumination. Just go to Universal. You already have a relationship with them for fucking Mario. Why are you going to Sony and partnering with Avi Arad? Does make sense? I think Universal right now is just trying to be like, hey, so the Metroid movie, who are you guys talking to? About yeah, no, I mean, right. I mean, the fact that they've now shown that they're willing to go, not just go to Universal Illumination, I'm sure everyone else is going like, hey, what else you got? We know you're going to make more movies. You want to work with us? Just mm-hmm. now it's, I, I thought I, I thought we had an idea of what they were going to do. And now I feel like we're just back in the wilderness of, I have no idea what they're going to announce or plan with their movies now. I think we'll get a Kirby movie at the very least after this. I mean, we're going to get we're, we're still going to get more Nintendo movies, but well, of course. And I, I think the seal of quality is going to matter to them. They're not going to. That's where we will disagree on this. They will not send out a dumpster fire. Maybe Miyamoto just doesn't care about Zelda as much. Maybe, maybe, which I would say isn't just a maybe, but. But if, when they announce the Pikmin movie, he's going to make sure that thing is fucking perfect. Now, I had a friend of mine say, like, what? If, he doesn't think that they're going to make Pikmin movies, but what he think would be the perfect approach, and I might agree, is that how Pixar has, like, short animated shorts in front of their their movies. If Nintendo keeps going on to this for a while, they just have short animated shorts, but they're not as prominent IP, you know? And maybe Pikmin. I think it would all. just be Pikmin. I don't think they would do that for other ones. I could see that. I could, I mean, I could see them doing that for Pikmin. I think that'd be because I don't think I don't see how you make a full blown Pikmin movie. Or you could. You could have Olimar be the main character. And he's voiced by fucking I don't even know. Maybe another like thirty year old famous actor who's in way too much shit. Um, who's the stra- the main Stranger Things kid? What? The main Stranger as, Things kid. What's his name? As Olimar? Yes. Olimar is a middle-aged... Yeah, the Stranger Things kids are all in their 40s at this point because they're taking forever from the last season. I just... I mean... I don't think that's true. Well, either way. Danny DeVito as Captain Olimar. On that note... No, no, that's not right. If you're ready, I think we move to the Game Awards. I do think it's time. I, I hope everyone enjoyed thinking about Legend of Zelda, but right now... Zelda doesn't need us. Jeff Keighley needs us. Everyone, ask your friend if you think Link is going to be wearing the green tunic. When they turn to you and say, of course he is. Why are you asking such a stupid question? Send them a link to this episode. And then when he's not wearing the tunic, feel stupid. Take it from here, Rowan. Thank you very much, Peter. Happy to be joining this episode here as we talk about the magnum opus of Mr. Keighley. It's a big year 
to be hosting the Game Awards 2023. Everyone wants to declare it one of the best years ever in gaming. It's arguably the biggest in terms of the games themselves. Probably the biggest year the VGAs have ever happened. That, it's not the VGAs anymore, Peter. It's just the GAs, the Game Awards. TGAs. True, true, true. TGAs. Oh, right, um, sorry. Yeah, no, and I think there's a lot of momentum coming into this year. I think the the Game Awards have gotten better year over year still. Um, you know, there are some juicy announcements on the table that they could also take for this year. So... I don't know. It'll be exciting to see that. But we are talking today because nominations have come out for the Game Awards. Do you guys, like, was there any shock to them at all for you? I haven't looked at them yet. You haven't looked at them yet. I have made a, I made a point to not look at any of them because I thought we were all going to go in blind today. Oh, I'm... fuck. We did talk about that. Oh, fuck. I screwed up. Yeah, now Peter I... Peter ripped it out like immediately and threw it into one uh, of our I, I mean, I watched them live. I, I, I totally forgot that was an idea, but at, le- at least one of us, oh, at least okay. one of us is stuck to it. So Whatever. let's do a cinematic sort of reveal here for Mark. Uh, We're going to start with Game of the Year and go over the nominees. So, first nominee, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Of course. Second nominee, Baldur's Gate 3. Third, Marvel Spider-Man 2. Uh Fourth, Alan Wake 2. Oh, okay. I made it. Fifth, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Okay. And sixth, Resident Evil 4. Wow. I'm happy that Final Fantasy 16 is not nominated. I had a similar reaction. <laughs> Thank God. Again, I like the game a lot more than you did, but because Starfield and FF16 are the two biggest games that have caused the most uproar online about being left off. Starfield, I think we'll, we'll be talking about that for a whole other reason in a bit. But FF16, again... I know you hate the game. I still like it, but there's enough issues with the star where it is not game of the year material and a game that relied most on its cinematic storytelling. It's not just the story. There's like, a ch- like we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing the same. We got, we got, we got things to do. We got place to be. We got all to see. I'm saying is that there's more than story to point out with that game. That is not of that. That makes it not of that quality. Not of this, uh, level of game it is not a 2023 game of the year contender and i'm happy it is shown here my first thing i think we should poke at the easiest thing here resident evil 4 remake a game i love and i share the sentiment that it should not be nominated for game of the year do you believe or did you also have this mindset for re2 remake a few years ago I was very conflicted on that, but that year was, was that 2019? Yes. Yes, it was. That was Sekiro year. That's the one that one. So that was a year where I like didn't play any new games. So I didn't really have an opinion on it, but. I think Resident Evil 2 Remake is way more defensible than 4 because Resident Evil 2 Remake is actually a different game. Resident Evil 4 is not. Uh, That being said, though, 
Working off the bones of a remake, I do think is just complicated territory. But Resident Evil 4, while I think the remake is fantastic, and it is different from the original in different pretty cool ways, like they play with your expectations a lot, but it's not different enough to, I think, justify a nomination like this. It celebrates a, a little too much of the um, lack of creativity giving it this nomination. If it's me and I can move, you know, I, I can snap my fingers and get whatever nominee list I want. The only thing I would replace is RE4 with Hi-Fi Rush. Other than that, I have no issues with the. I would I have replace no, two. Two. Of okay, them. yeah, I. That's why I caught my. That's why I stopped myself there. Four of these games definitely deserve to be here, and I would be totally fine with them staying here. Uh, Super Mario Wonder could also leave. I agree. Super Mario Wonder is a game I like. I do not agree at all with the like the 90 pluses and i don't either i have no i, I don't i want to know what game like, they all played i think i love i when i had that multiplayer on guys it was truly a magical experience. i i, I have I, the multiplayer on and it's like totally normal <laughs> I, I mean I, jeff grubb jeff grubb is is of the same mindset that mark is he it's i mean this is his game of the year and it's because of the same reasons it is for Mark. Some people play the multiplayer for Wonder and they think they've seen God. I, I've just seen another solid 2D Mario platformer that's not 3D Mario. Well, I've also played maybe a hundred different games that just have ghost characters doing stuff along with you. Like, that's just a totally normal thing that happens in a lot of games. I don't quite understand what why everyone decided to take some like artistic reading of because they've deemed it as this is like Mario's version of Journey. We are doing all these levels together with these people for the new time and discovering secrets. It's like, okay, another player will stand in the place and t- I try to signal to you that there's like purple coins here. Wow. You're really mad I had made a massive discovery you'll never forget with that. But okay. finding that the if you're going for 100% completion alongside everybody else, we're all looking for all the purple coins. You got to get them. You're not, I'm not moving along to another level until I have every purple coin. But that's such a tiny percentage of players and such very unique situations that I don't think that warrants getting a game of the year status. If that's what puts it above all of the 2d Mario platformers. I mean, finding all the little secrets in it, I feel like is like one of the biggest charms of this game is just trying to, to comb, comb through everything in here. Cause like one of my biggest complaints about the game is that there's like in, in the time it took me to 100% it it was only 15 hours. I put 15 hours into this game to 100% it and I thought like wow that's barely any time to 100% this kind of game. But the secrets that there were that they did have in the game I thought were, were super super fun to track down. Um uh game of the year nominee, where do I weigh in on that? I I can see it. Like I think it's passable. I don't think it's like a crime to to not make the list. I don't think it's a crime to make the list, especially in this year. I think there's a lot of just really interesting levels where I think a, a popular criticism is like there's the a love a level that people really really love is like this. Uh, you get the wonder seed and all these piranha planes start singing all around the stage. Everything is moving around. This is only it's only the second level that they put a level like this that people uh, enjoy so much. 
uh, just a testament to that they're they're never out of really cool ideas and they they aren't until the very very end of it i would argue that's the most memorable level of with the wonder flowers and they use it right off the bat i don't think any others come nearly as close as that one uh there's one my favorite level in the game is in the secret world there's no, the one where to do that it's like rhythm based to it the the blocks are like disappearing depending on the music and it it's easily one of the hardest levels in the game because it gets so fast you have to like do every wall jump perfectly that you need to do or otherwise if you mess up for like a split second you don't have enough time to get to the finish line anymore and it's like it's levels like that when you're doing it alongside other people and we're just you're just trying to see where they're at you're paying attention to what parts they're struggling maybe you can slow down a little bit because you're trying to pace yourself with them so you can help them so that maybe they can help you later. Just like really supporting the other people alongside each other. Going through some of these levels like that's that's really where the magic was in this game for me. I I, I think it's fine to be nominated personally because they're there. This game is capable of this. Like, like, like this is a game where I feel like that magic won't have a long tail because like you had to be there when everybody was playing it. Otherwise, it, it it doesn't have it. The and then same you also there. have to have an extremely specific point of view on what's happening on screen to take whatever you're taking out of it. I I shouldn't be trying to like take away your joy here, but um, I just think wonder. I actually I think it's a very good game. I I do think it's a nice refreshment to Mario. And the Wonder Seed is, does a good job at highlighting some of the fun ideas that they had. I'm I I still haven't beaten it, but as I play through every level, like I'm excited to see what the Wonder Seed does. I think it's fun. But if I was going to change these nominations, I would take out Resident Evil 4, I'd take out Wonder, I would put in Hi-Fi Rush, and I think I would put in Pikmin 4. Ooh, I, before we even get to Pikmin 4, we talk about, I was expecting to talk about Pikmin 4, but we can because I really fucking like that game. I feel like this morning and all this talk about Game Awards has really cemented that Starfield did not have a lasting impact for a lot of people. It's, it's flawed. That's for sure. It I, received one single nomination. <clears throat> I'm curious to see where it is nominated. Yeah, I won't tell you where, but it only received one single nomination. The <laughs> best Xbox game goes to Starfield. It's only nominated. not even it would be Hi-Fi Rush this year. I think. True. Are there any other reactions to Game of the Year here that we should poke at, or should we start getting into some of the other bigger categories? I mean, well, who do we expect this, is going to win? This is generally what I thought the predictions were going to look like. I didn't. Th- I wasn't sure. If Alan Wake 2 was actually going to make the cut, I'm, I guess I'm happy that it did. People are saying really good things, but I, I just thought it would be 16 over Resident Evil. I, I have a quick side tangent, um, to ask you guys on Alan Wake 2. Mm-hmm. This is more of a definitional question. There was a review that like was it was like three out of five stars for Alan Wake 2 that I saw go around. And the the like thesis of it was Alan Wake 2 is a great experience, but not a great game. Do we limit ourselves too much with that word game? Because isn't it isn't the idea here to have like 
this is the experiential medium. Like, if Alan Wake 2 is a great experience, doesn't that mean it did its job? Well, what I'm, was the game that Mark forced us to play? I don't say forces. That's too aggressive. But what um, was the game we played at the beginning um, of last year that Mark um, absolutely loved and you and I did not care for? Uh, last year, last year, last year. January, uh, February, March, that range. It's two or three know. hours. It was on Switch. Well, on Switch exclusive, but that's where we played it. Well, you played If Found on Switch. That would be what I'm talking about. Oh, If Found was like two years ago now. Holy shit, was it really? Yeah. That was a long time. Jesus. Oh, my God, we're getting older. But, uh, I mean, we have an episode of this podcast where you and I argue that If Found isn't even a game. Well, because your level of interaction with it is so minimal. So you still stand by that two years later, I'm making sure. I do, I do stand by that. I one, I have no doubt that the level of interaction in Alan Wake Two is far, oh sure, greater than if found. But also, if they're if they're basically trying to say like they didn't think the shooting was fun, but everything else works out, I guess that's fine. But I, I've been, I've just been getting a little more bothered, I guess, or just in general questioning. The term of like, why do we call them video games when like it doesn't have to be a game? It doesn't. You don't have to win by the end of it. Would you rather we call them virtual experiences? That I mean, that's what it comes down to is that there's no other better name. I don't think. Um, Sony is the the kind of yeah, like Sony comes close to it where they they it's SIE Sony Interactive Entertainment. Um, like they're not simply limiting it to games, but I don't know. I I think a reviewer can have whatever opinion they want, but I I think it's a limiting to say like it doesn't accomplish being a game. Mm-hmm. Who do we think is going to win? Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. I also say Baldur's Gate. Um, and i i don't even want to see what will happen to mark if it's somehow tears of the kingdom i mean part of me would because i know a lot of people would be angry about apollo's gate 3 winning and part of me would be happy just to see see that upset like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i i really wouldn't be that upset of tears of the kingdom was game of the year i have my own grievances but like those are like far from it being game of the year that is just my own beef with that game it doesn't matter what award it wins or doesn't win my beef will be there well i i think there is very much beef to have with it being game of the year yeah you do like do you think mark should or you individually think there should be beef i think there should be beef because people have just like completely they ignore the fact that it's it almost feels like a dlc with a poor story and one truly great mechanic. And it's truly great. It's the most impressive mechanic I've ever seen. But everything else I find fairly dull about the game. Suck the air out of the room on that. Well, no, I mean, I, was, I don't have anything to say on Tears of the I, Kingdom. I didn't play it. I feel like I'm not allowed to talk about Tears of the Kingdom anymore, so I try not to get into it. <laughs> um... All right, let's get into some of the other categories here. Can we do best performance? Um, yeah, sure. We don't need to go over all these. Some of these are 
pointless. Yeah, no, a lot. I mean, there's probably like a third of these we don't even need to touch. Best performance. We have Ben Starr, Final Fantasy 16. Cameron Monaghan. He's a Star Wars Jedi survivor. Idris Elba, Cyberpunk 2077. That's just so that Keeley can get Idris in the show. Wait, I mean, he could have been great. You don't know. Uh, Melanie Liebird, Alan Wake 2. Neil Newbon, Baldur's Gate 3. Yuri Lowenthal, Marvel Spider-Man 2. Man, I didn't know Yuri Lowenthal was so old. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is... He's, He's been doing voice acting since Mark and I were children. We watch kids when we are in like, what, since I was like seven or eight that Yuri voiced in. Um, I haven't played any of these games, so I have no tick. I'm surprised that there was only one Baldur's Gate nomination here. I thought multiple characters were going to get nominated. I'm guessing that is the voice actor for Asterion. They don't specify. So they know. did in the reveal, but that's no one's right on the website. They don't. Um, I am. I said it in the summer, and I will say it now in November. I am fully getting behind Ben Starr as Clive Rossfield. Uh, all of the issues I have with that game, he was never one of them. I absolutely fucking adored his performance. His performance is so good that my favorite moment in gaming of the year is one of his best, like one of the best scenes in the game. It's because his performance as Clive is so goddamn good. That I was so completely bought in. And typically during stories and games, I am very, with myself and if others are in the room, I am always very specific of when there's a cutscene, shut the fuck up. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. But I was getting so into the scene that I was talking at the TV because I was so invested in the story of these two characters in particular. And the performances were so goddamn captivating. I felt like it was real. So, and that's just one of many great scenes he has. So yeah, I am fully, fully behind Ben Starr. For Clive for winning this. I hope so badly he wins. He deserves it so much. Uh, Mark, like do you have guys, any takes on that? Like, like I there's there's definitely genuine moments in 16 where I'm just like, oh yeah, this is a great performance by Ben Starr, but there's like there's so many whatever moments also, but I don't know if that's the performances issue, but more so just the writing and quest design's fault that he has to just kind of you know, push through these nothing story beats that are happening uh, and just has to go forward with it. But like, that's a big part of what I remember of Clyde. It's just like, he's just doing his job a lot of the time. And there's a lot of moments where I feel like he is just really not invested into what is going on. He's just like, I need to destroy the crystal. I got to just, I got to. Yeah, that's the writing though. That has nothing to do with Ben's performance. I know, but like they become so intertwined to an extent. I'm just like, um, I would argue they don't. Then I think of uh, it. Some of the characters in Baldur's Gate where I feel like they are very, very consistently. They sound like people a lot of the time. They think their story is interesting. I think they're really into engrossed in their character. There's so much personality from so many lines throughout the games. Uh, that people may or may not ever find where like like in my two ish playthroughs of of Baldur's Gate right now, I feel like I I learn more from these characters who I thought I already knew. They just there's so much depth to them. And again, that's that's more writing than it is performance. But I think the, the performances of a lot of these characters uh uh are definitely backed up by some really, really good writing. Better art writing than I would argue is in Baldur's Gate. So the point I guess I'm trying to make here is Ben Starr did do a good job, and I, I do think if he won, where I probably think he will win, 
is is merited. Is who? What? I, I just got really confused by that. I'm, I'm just saying uh, Ben Starr, uh, even though I have my gripes with the writing, uh, I think he'll he'll probably win. And there's merits to oh merited okay okay I I did I heard a completely different word ignore me it's time Check to move on to uh, best game direction only five nominees for this we have okay. Alan Wake two Baldur's Gate three Spider Man two Mario Bros Wonder and Tears of the Kingdom so I have a few different takes on this so there's the possibility. That this is just the Tears of the Kingdom Award because it's going to make up for the fact that it didn't win Game of the Year. There's also the possibility that whatever flashy stuff Alan Wake 2 has going on propels it forward. Especially since it it has some sort of live action film element to that game. And a lot of people I think could look at that and be like, ooh, that's that's directing like I more commonly understand directing. Um, and then the third option is just that Baldur's Gate three kind of sweeps things. I think it's between Baldur's Gate here, just because the sheer scope of this game, uh, there's just so much, so many threads that interweave and interact with each other that all feel really meaningful. That I think that's just a, a big reason for this. Whatever's going on in Alan Wake two, I agree. Whatever it is, they're loving over there. It's kind of just like I'm trusting. A lot of critics, and I know even at the Golden Joysticks that won the Critic Award, like the, the critics adore this game, maybe more so than the public will, and they they're the ones at the driver's seat here, so like it, that opinion really really matters. But I think the third one, I don't think Tears of the Kingdom has a shot here, but I think Mario Wonder is the third one. I think this is a Mario Wonder category where they they really understood what they wanted to kind of do with the levels. Uh, they they really had a, a vision for how playful things uh, were going to be. And they really saw that through to the brim with every single level. So I think there is there is an argument to be made that this is a possible win for it. But I, I really think this is a this could be a Baldur's Gate three sweep show. Peter, any thoughts on game direction? Alan Wake two is gonna win it, and I'm fairly confident in that. All right. I can't tell you why. I want to play that game, even though it's a survival horror, and usually horror things scare me, but. From everything I'm hearing, and I just think, I mean, like, people could argue, I mean, game direction, the being the director of a game incorporates so many different aspects of creating a game, yet at this, like, you could argue that, like, the great game mechanic in Zelda could be argued that it's to the benefit of the game direction because the game director was the one who saw the benefit of that. The, the, the as- yeah, sorry, that aspect of the game that was working so well is like we need to invest time in that, we need to invest resources into that. We're going to bank so much of our game around this around this aspect of the gameplay because it is that game changing. That being said, game direction can also just be the idea of it looks like a movie. And I think Alan Wake 2, no matter how incredible, like any because I'm seeing like people saying like psychedelic or unnerving, and just a lot of a lot of different ways to describe a typical, you know, on, on its surface, straightforward cinematic game. But the things I'm seeing, people are saying, oh, I've never seen this be done in a game like this before. It's brand new. Uh, I'm, it feels like I'm having a brand new experience in a game for the first time. So you could argue, like, the implementation of game mechanics and direction or just a ga- a very cinematic game being very good. And I just feel like game critics 
support the latter much more than the former. Well, and I also... I don't really understand game direction, if I'm being honest. And I don't know the role that the game director has in a game like Zelda that is 95% propelled by its gameplay, whereas most of the games that win for their direction are the Alan Wake 2 types or The Last of Us or Death Stranding. Like The games that feel like they are authored by a specific individual seem to be the games that win for game direction. Is that a fair assessment? I would agree. It's like the, the creative director being someone's like they, they have a vision of what the game needs to be and they're checking in in all departments, reminding them that this is the experience we are trying to specifically craft. Or Tears of the Kingdom, the direction would definitely be just like, okay, we're trying to give the players these tools or creativity. Let's make sure everywhere in this world that they can utilize that somewhere. It's so open-ended where you, you, like, that's why I wouldn't give it to Tears of the Kingdom almost. Unfairly, but also unfairly. Because it's like, oh, we want to make sure everyone can just break the rules and find their own way around it. It's a, it's almost so hands off. Um, as much as that that works so much for that game, it also kind of one of my grievances with it. But I could I could see people awarding it for that kind of uh, experience. But we we know where I stand on it, of course. At this point, moving on to best narrative, we have Alan Wake two, mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate three. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, Final Fantasy 16, <sighs> and Marvel Spider-Man 2. Look, we're not going to mark the pitch for Final Fantasy 16. We've talked about the death. That's the one thing we agree on, even though I like it more. Neither of us think it should be here. We move on. I'm, I was going to say, I think Spider-Man takes it. Really? I think Spider-Man will take this. I'm still the only one who's even touched the game out of all of us, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, maybe, maybe Alan Wake takes it. I don't. Know. I was gonna. I'm. I'm putting my a finger down on this one. It's Alan Wake too. I'm predicting, and I really like Spider Man too. Truly, I do. But Spider Man Two doesn't do anything. I don't feel like Spider Man Two does anything that is setting the bar. It's not. I. I've no point have did I ever feel like, man, this story is so incredible. I can feel the earth shake beneath my feet. It's a very good story, in my opinion. It's another fantastic Spider-Man story. Insomniac continues to prove that they know the characters and the world of Spider-Man very well. They understand it, and they understand it so well that they are comfortable having their own twists on usually common story archetypes or character beats in Spider-Man stories. That being said, again, it's and it's because I keep hearing these sorts of unique praise around Alan Wake 2, I'm hearing people talk about how, again... Seeing things in this game they've never seen before, experiencing levels and gameplay mechanics that they've never experienced before, and I'm seeing all this incredible praise where it's like, I want to know. I'm desperate to know, in fact, what the fuck they're talking about. So that's why I'm picking Alan Wake 2. I think the, the betting favorite would be Alan Wake 2. Mark is... The reasoning against Baldur's Gate 3, is it that like, is it that you're not really in the game for its narrative? You're in it for its branching pathways? Although, is that narrative? I don't know. I mean, I, I would narrative. say it is. Um, the story isn't like bad in Baldur's Gate either. I'd say 
one thing it has going against it is depending on how you're playing the game, if you're playing a multiplayer game, right? Which you know, there's only one way to play this game. If you're playing with a bunch of other people, you're going to be missing out on a whole lot of other story. It's a lot harder to follow the story if you're trying to just move alongside it. If one, a person in your party, like is talking to an NPC, gets a question, gets a dialogue, someone else in that party, they just miss out on that. They just know they have the quest. They don't get to see everything that kind of happens. And like, there's a, there's a version of this game where the narrative just doesn't work. And it's just, you're playing with friends and you're just missing chunks of story. You could be playing with your friends and never see a single scene in the, the whole story. <laughs> Um, which is which you know isn't something to knock away from like the actual writing the actual story that's being told um but uh as as good as i think it is i I would just assume uh, here i am pointing at two other or two other games i haven't played one of which i really know almost nothing about like alan alan wake 2 i've only really seen the open critic number on it and never looked at anyone say a word about it otherwise um so it's it's tricky uh, for me to kind of point. I'm just I'm just trusting other people on this category. Um, I do think Baldur's Gate three stories is not bad, but it's not like this pivotal like life changing story. I think that is the reason of its must play. It is just kind of the rewarding narrative choices that uh, the characters uh, and and just a really fun gameplay loop of just exploring and finding everything. I think that is like peak Baldur's Gate three. Not for the you, the the story is not the thing I think that sits with you for the longest time, but the experience of going through its narrative, which, which you know there is an argument for that, but I don't think that's what uh, they're weighing in on here for for this award specifically. All right, best art direction, we have Alan Wake Two, which might be the most nominated game. I I don't know the actual numbers, but I'm reading that Baldur's Gate Three. My God, they cleaned up this year. My God, okay. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and Tears of the Kingdom. It is Hi-Fi Rush with a fucking bullet. Anyone who tries to argue anything else, you are so fucking wrong. You don't understand how wrong you are. Hi-Fi Rush, arts, its art style is arguably the greatest part of the game, and that's not the, that's not the downplay. The rest of it, because my God, there are so many great things to say about that game. But the art direction in that game offers oh, so it's just it's it's the environment. No, I'm going to say this: the environment in Hi-Fi Rush is constantly in motion because of the beat. It is a world that never takes a breath other than when you're in the hideout and you're in the menus and you're going to the next mission but when you are in out in the world of hi-fi rush the environment is alive and it looks incredible it just i've never played another game that just feels like i am in a currently living breathing existing world that looks so goddamn gorgeous and unique it is hi-fi rush please this is an award i am looking out for because i want hi-fi rush to win so badly please hi-fi rush it has to be that game I think if there is a game that could compete with it, I actually think it would be Mario Wonder. I feel like they might reward the art style changes. I mean, it's good. Obviously, again, especially compared to New Super Mario Brothers, it's fantastic to take it away from that game. But I don't, I don't know. I just feel like Hi-Fi Rush is so unique compared to just a very prettier 2D Mario, which, again massive up upgrade for 2d mario 
massive. But Hi-Fi Rush is a brand new IP, and it's it's it was so unexpected. No one knew it even existed, and then for it to be as good as it was in so many different departments, it should be rewarded. Hi-Fi Rush Best Art Direction, please. This is my how Mark was on his knees begging for Near Replicant to win Best Soundtrack last year. I'm begging for Hi-Fi Rush to win Best Art Direction, as well as a few other things we'll get to. Mark, any thoughts on this category? The, the Alan Wake 2 Pandora's box of when I hear critics praise a game like this, and I know how they've praised Remedy games before. At, I, I'm just inclined to think that in this category also, because I mean, I, I, as someone who played Control and understands the critics love Alan Wake 2, I think that it's going to go over there. This is turning into a 2019 Game Awards situation where I, I was convinced that the way people were talking about Control, that that game was going to sweep the game awards that year which is going to dominate every category and then it didn't and i got a lot of shit for it from a group of friends and they still referenced to how i think how i thought control was this fucking goliath in 2019 and i'm starting to think alan wake 2 could be also for the same reason and there's definitely bigger like review numbers on alan wake 2 versus control but i don't know i i i do i was maybe thinking Tears of the Kingdom here, but then I'm just like, no, this this is just Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's the same art direction. Yeah, exactly. Um, best score in music. We have Alan Wake 2. We have Baldur's Gate 3. Final Fantasy 16. Hi-Fi Rush. And Tears of the Kingdom. Hi-Fi Rush, I love you to pieces, but Final Fantasy 16 has to win this. this? Oh my god. That fucking soundtrack is incredible. I was out for my daily walk and I was listening to some of it and I was like ready to fucking like fight the deer that I was looking at. Like it's that soundtrack just whatever emotion or feeling it's going for at at, at a time in the game, it nails with flying colors and my god, the boss music in that game is the best I've ever fucking heard. Like I agree. I think 16 is going to get it. But like if I as someone like who is very much who who loves a good video game soundtrack, there's like three songs and they're all the boss fight songs, really, that I, I point out. I'm just like, oh, yes, these are the songs I think that are, are huge. Like these are the bangers of the game. And then the rest, I'm just like, these are nice. That's fine. And I'm just sitting here just like, hey, Octopath Traveler 2 came out this year, too, guys. Where's that in this category? Oh, we'll That's get to that game. game. Don't worry. Like people are sleeping on. Like from hearing these nominations right now, granted, stacked year, we haven't gotten to best RPG of the year, which I assume that's where they give it its flowers. But Octopath Traveler 2, where are you? I, hot take, don't think Tears of the Kingdom should be nominated. Oh, I might agree. I think I would absolutely agree. Like, like talk about things that were disappointing about Tears of the Kingdom, the soundtrack, which you've like, never done before. Like, harped on the soundtrack? I, what oh, would no, you no, said no, talk I'm, about come on I, no there's no way you you i had a good i had a good I had yeah a good i i got you peter it. i got you peter i hear you now but it's just i'm so disappointed because i feel like at, at the very least of every Zelda game there's like a song people point to that's like oh this is like the banger this one's going in the history books to the zelda soundtrack an already crazy soundtrack library but for tears of the kingdom the one song people point to is a version of a song that's in the third form of a boss fight, which is also 
a remix of an enemy that I've always hated and had an iconic boss fight, boss fight song. And it's just like a small portion, a like 20 second portion of a song that's just like a really well put together like orchestration of the Dragon Roost Island theme. You can just hear in the middle of a song. But like this boss fight is also so fucking easy. I beat the boss fight before that part of the song even played. You I just you just whip it. Mm. I, Mark, so you're you're that. veering off in the portions that don't that don't involve the soundtrack. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know you got a yellow I'm card here. Saying I'm just saying, Tears of the Kingdom, its soundtrack is doing nothing that Breath of the Wild didn't already do. Mark, I'll go back to you here. Baldur's Gate three soundtrack assessment. Yeah, I'm surprised it's nominated here. <laughs> if I'm being honest. This There's, is one of the greatest years the game we've ever had, and Mark hates it. No, it's just my—I mean, my favorite game of the year right now. Yeah. I still what it is, and it's—it's it's not anywhere to be seen here. We're gonna have the—is this one of the greatest years conversation? Like at the end of the year, I think it'll be interesting. I think—I think this pod is gonna mm-hmm. have some different perspectives. I feel like I'm gonna vote in favor of it, which is weird because I normally don't play a lot of new games, and this year has the year I've played like the most new games. Since I can remember. Um, best audio design. Alan Wake 2. Dead Space. Hi-Fi Rush. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Resident Evil 4. This is a category where if Hi-Fi Rush doesn't fucking win best audio design. Oh, yeah. That would be insane. It is hi-fi. Another hi-fi rush for the bullet right here. It's I, uh, not. It is not. But it's, we we should not talk about any other nominee because none of them are as good. I just want to point out this could be the first year that Call of Duty is not nominated in this category. They usually are, and they're just not this year. Yeah. Um, Mark, I don't know if you noticed this, but I did think there were parts of Resident Evil Four that had great audio design, but a noticeably bad instance of audio design was that you would hear an enemy and they would always sound like they were right next to you. It never sounded like they were at a distance that's unless that's fair. something they patched. That's definitely something I noticed too. Uh, it, it wasn't something that really bothered me necessarily because you're always in pretty closed up space or at the very least if it's a long corridor I'm going to see them. If I heard that noise and I was just always not sure where somebody was that would have been a problem for me but it wasn't something I ran into that, that bothered me. All right. We're going to jump around a little bit here. I'm going to go best debut indie. The nominees are Cocoon, Dredge, Pizza Tower, Venba, and Viewfinder. I am assuming Cocoon will win this. I'm going to assume Cocoon also. Shout out to Venba for being here, though. I think Pizza Tower seems fun. Oh yeah, I it's something I've been kind of interested in. One of my good friends has been talking about it all year. It is his game of the year, hands down. Nothing has come close to touching it. Um, so that's always sat in the back of my mind. I'm just like, would I enjoy this game? This oh, game? I I think you would enjoy that game. Maybe of everything I've seen of it, I just like the main character and the the, the point of the game that. 
he's just the stressed out man just trying to run his pizza shop and someone's trying to destroy his pizza shop and that just makes him more stressed out and that's why he's running around so crazy and then going over to best independent game cocoon dave the diver dredge sea of stars viewfinder i very much want to play dave the diver could you say the nominees one more time uh cocoon dave the diver dredge sea of stars viewfinder i played sea of stars and will still say cocoon will probably win this i think cocoon will win too i'm the only like as someone who's been on blackout for the game awards this is one of the this is one of the two things i'd seen people talking about of dave the diver being nominated here because it is heavily funded by nexon it's not really an independent game Baldur's gate 3 is more of an independent game than dave the diver is which i don't know i think it literally just came down to um i i saw that little argument between greg miller and and blessing um no, it was, it was Greg and Andy. Oh, Greg and Andy. Okay, you're right. Um, but uh, I do buy into the fact that indie is just a genre now, and it's not um, at all. It doesn't care about like the financials behind things. Because, I mean, Stray won this last year, which easily cost... $10 million more than anything it was up against. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's it was so funded by PlayStation. And it's, despite the fact that PlayStation didn't own them, I guess that like allows for it. Uh, I don't know. If, if we get too much into the financials, I think it gets a little too um, complicated. It's the kind of thing where it's like, hey, Game Awards, this is something you need to have like kind of, you know, ironed out at this point. Like, what are what are we trying trying to do here? This is this is kind of crazy that we're still having these conversations of is this indie? Is this really qualified? Like it's one thing with the genre conversations we have for award categories that kind of are weird because games are just weird that way. But this, I I think this is very solvable. Um, what do you guys want to do as far as the genres go? We don't need to go through every single one, but. Should I do like action, action adventure, RPG? Let's get the RPG. Uh, let's get the RPG. I RPG. know RPG is what I need to know. Okay. Best RPG. We have Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, Lies of P, Sea of Stars, and Starfield. What the fuck, man? Are you kidding me? That's what me? I was waiting for. Are yeah, you Mark. Fucking kidding me. Octopath Travel 2 is not even nominated. What's wrong with these people? Octopath is nowhere. It didn't get a single nomination, Mark. You're shitting me. No. Nope. Octopath Travel 2 is nominated, but Final Fantasy 16 is nominated for Best RPG. This is horseshit. I can't believe these critics have failed the gaming community here. I can't stand for this. Oh my god. Oh, and you're upset too, right? Surely. Yeah, yeah. I'm experienced. <laughs> no, I mean later. I'm I'm not furious about this. Uh, I do think you should definitely poke at Lies of P as an RPG. And I think there's a lot to poke at here, but that's that's good. That's a good point. Um, and Final Fantasy 16. From everything I've heard, you would poke at it as an RPG, but I don't know. It's it's controversial to say that about a, a Japanese game, apparently. So, um. 
but I mean, everything makes it seem like that's just a character action game. And like, I mean, this is not even talking about Starfield either. Like that. I think it's fine to see Starfield nominated here. I think Starfield is a enough of an RPG. Um, it's it's more of an RPG than say like Fallout Four ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't necessarily make me mad. If you want to be mad from a quality standpoint, I guess it can be. Um, best adaptation. What's this? Oh, it's the movies and stuff. Oh, so, I'd love to hear these actually. So we have Castlevania Nocturne, Gran Turismo, The Last of Us, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and Twisted Metal. That should pretty it's easily the be us. The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. of course, probably it's the, last the Last of Us. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. It was very it was good. good. It was definitely very good. Last episode, kind of quick, but the rest of that show, amazing. Uh, so do we have any other genres we want to hit? Do we want to see? What Nintendo games are in Best Family? No, I, 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 I do want to know if Fire Emblem Engage is nominated anywhere on the table here. Yes, it is. So it's in hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We we have Best Family, Disney Illusion Island, Party Animals, Pikmin Four, <laughs> known family game Pikmin Four, <laughs> Sonic Superstars, and Mario Wonder. Pikmin Four. Honestly, all Pikmin games get argued. Are they too stressful for kids, you think, Mark? I think Pikmin, the first two Pikmin games, absolutely. I would not have a child play those. If you, maybe maybe you can try. Like, like, not to say like kids absolutely can't play it, but like after playing them, it's just like, I don't know if like I, you, could pl- you could hand this to most kids and I don't think they would want to play it. Pikmin 4 is for the big boys, unfortunately. So this is not a family game. It's a big kid game. Gotta have a degree of some sort to play. Pikmin you have 4. to have gone to college to play Pikmin Four, is what Mark says. I'm saying, I'm saying, GED <laughs> diploma is also acceptable here. You got to be in high school. We appreciate moving around with OG. Um. So, what are our thoughts? Oh, wait, Fire Emblem Engage. Where is that? Same strategy. strategy. Okay. Good. Because it is a great strategy. You should say those nominees. Because there's one I want to talk about. Uh, Advanced Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot, City Skylines 2, Company of Heroes 3, Fire Emblem Engage, and Pikmin 4. Okay. Why is Pikmin 4 here? Are you kidding? Did you not Dane Dory, Peter? Only when I had to. If you aren't Dane Dorying, that involves so much strategy. You got to optimize. That's a separate mode. I don't. I mean, the vast vast majority of the game isn't Dane Dory. I don't know why it gets nominated for one side mode. Peter, you're you're telling me the whole game went over your head right now. The entire game is Dane Dory. You could argue. You could argue that there's like a a resource management. I mean, sure, but I don't it. like for for full context here. There's there's characters in this game that are throwing out the word at you that you must be a master of Dandori. And that is a Japanese word for carefully carrying out a plan, making a like thorough preparation to what you're doing of just optimizing how you're sending your Pikmin out to do certain things. You're putting them into different categories. You have to strategize. There are times you have to do this under a time limit to make sure you're collecting enough of everything as possible. And and when you're going for 100% completion, you got to make sure you're making good time on a lot of things. So this definitely makes sense 
for a strategy game because the bulk of the gameplay loop of this game is figuring out how to manage everything as efficiently as possible. Best Dan Dory goes to Pikmin 4. Absolutely. Uh, give me one prediction, both of you, for a reveal that Jeff will get. Jesus Christ, Owen. Uh, fuck. I mean, the best one of the best parts about last year was that there were so many unexpected announcements that we could have never. Like, I, who would have predicted Hades two last year? I never would have. Yeah, no, that's a good Very one. True. Um. So, the number one. There are two number ones on the table. One is clearly it's one A and a very clear one B. Uh, but the clear one A would obviously be GTA Six. I I feel like Rockstar is the one developer that eludes Jeff. Mm-hmm. That so many other publishers and developers love working with Jeff, but Rockstar. I'm not even saying they hate him, but they're just like we don't need anyone yeah. or anything. We can do this however we want. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, they they could say that their trailer is only being shown in movie theaters and people would go to it. Oh my god, it would be one of the highest grossing films of the year. It would be the GTA six trailer. I, I agree. I don't think it has a chance of showing up at the game awards. The fact that like Rockstar like would historically never even go to E three ever is like a testament to just how much they do things on their own terms. And then one B would be the Elden Ring DLC, which I think is on the table. Mm-hmm. I, I see that one. Fair. I didn't even think of that. I forgot that was kind of happening. I say we get a. Sh- no, that was last year. I mean, fuck. Mark, do we think Nintendo shows anything? Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. What's the biggest thing Nintendo has ever brought to the Game Awards other than Smash Brothers characters? That's a good answer. I don't know the answer to off the top of my head. I feel like that's all. But I say that's all as if that isn't like a huge drop. Uh, but um, it's never like like it, where the switch is in its life cycle. I don't think they'd bring anything there. I think they only want to show stuff at their own uh, events. They, they, they've kind of shown their hand of what we really think the last year of the switch is going to be. So, no, I don't think we see anything there from Nintendo. It's weird that for 2024, it's like, I just don't think. I mean, we've been spoiled with 2023 being 2023 but we just don't really know what's coming next year like i, I have i like imagine when we get to doing the the bny gaming league in uh, january of 2024 i think we're all going to be scraping below the bottom of the barrel to fill out our initial lists i do not think we'll have nearly enough games for all all five of us to pick 10 games yeah you might be right there um i Definitely don't know what's coming out next year. Uh, yeah. That makes me super excited to do the league next year. And versus where we have a, a huge platter of games, I'd, I think it'll be more fun to do it while we're all just trying to fight for an eighty-three. I, but we don't even know. If we're, I would argue the exact opposite because I feel like next year it's like we're fighting with blindfolds over our eyes. Like we don't we don't know where we are. We can't see each other. We don't know what the fight looks like. Exactly. I think. A very intelligent reveal here because it's allegedly coming out in 2024 would be if PlayStation showed an actual gameplay showcase of Concord at this. I think that would be wise 
It brings a lot of eyes that aren't necessarily diehard PlayStation fans to it. And it could be like the sort of kickoff to their live service initiative. That doesn't mean it'll look good. We don't know. Yeah. But if it's coming out next year, you you got to show this game. You got to show any of these games. Well, I mean... I, I, if they want to get people excited about the PlayStation brand at one of the most viewed, like, if not, no, it is the most viewed event award show in the world right now. I don't think you bring fucking Concord. Do you bring uh, Hollow Knight Silksong on the stage? That's, well, that's not PlayStation, stupid. Do you, know, even just, know, do you even know your games industry, what, stupid? I'm just going in a different direction here. But I, I would agree with Concord. I just feel like no matter how you present that game, people are not going to latch. That's what I mean. You want to? Where it's like, I mean, if I'm PlayStation, it's like, here's Wolverine. No, I think they like that a little too much for their own stuff, though. Do they? I don't. I have to under. I know he's leaving, but as long as he's still there under Jim Ryan, I don't know. Like gender jim ryan it's like game is a service you should all be excited for and if you're not well why would you want to play that old crap anyway i i think maybe playstation now this is maybe reading into things that don't actually exist right and playstation looks at the reads the room of the game words and understands we're not going to be the talk of the night here but what if we make ourselves the talk of the night for a different reason and they do show wolverine something I, don't think I mean, I would be walking away like, oh, yeah, let's just keep talking more about how Marvel Spider-Man 2 is winning everything when that's just not going to happen. But maybe that really doesn't matter. But it is press. It's publicity we're talking about. Like, the, like don't get me wrong. I'm not if I I'm, I'm not dying to see Wolverine considering we just got Spider-Man 2. But that's the only single player game they're comfortable with announcing. They, have, they aren't announcing anything else. Like now we're like a month. We're nearly a month out from Spider-Man 2. And. A lot of that hype and excitement starting to wear off, and now people are starting to scratch their heads going, okay, what's next? We're now in the area that we've talked about all year at PlayStation, where now we're, you know, again, we're just, we're at an open sea, and we see no islands in sight, we see no path forward, we're just wondering, where the fuck do we go from here? And PlayStation doesn't have an answer other than vague CGI games and service trailers, and a Wolverine tease for a game we'll get God knows when, no, and but, that's it. But Peter, Jim Ryan's a marketer. You don't understand. I don't give him enough credit. I'm I'm sitting here with all this credit because I just don't know who to give it to. And may, maybe it's him. Maybe it maybe it is Jim Ryan. I'm gonna read the content creator of the year names. Um, I know me and Mark at least know one of these, but I want to see if anyone knows anyone else. Iron Mouse. People make games. Qu- Quackity. I know Quackity. Spreen and Cypher PK. I know Cypher PK. Who, I've heard who, of who I are those two people. people. Cypher PK is a Fortnite streamer who, who's played a lot with Tim the Tatman, Nick Merckx, Cloaksy when I used to watch those guys. Quackity, I've heard of him. I don't exactly know what he does, but I'm just, that is a name I recognize when I hear it. You got out of Cypher PK when... Uh... Nick Burks and Nick Merck started talking about uh, saving the kids. When Nick Merck starts saying Ron DeSantis 2024, that's when I'm like, you know what? Fuck <laughs> this guy. I don't want him anymore. Um, I know people make games. I'm not the biggest fan of them. They're okay. What do they do? They're they're basically just like a games media activi- uh, activism 
channel where all of their stories are about like abuse in the industry. Neat. I think that's good. I like that they're yeah. nominated for that. That's real games journalism. You hear that, everyone? And I know Iron Mouse. She's a uh, VTuber. Interesting. Man, Owen, you just you just seem like you're out of touch. You tried to dunk yeah. on this category, and Mark and I are aware of two I of mean, each. I, I didn't know the people Peter was talking about, but I knew people make games in Iron Mouse, and that's it. Um. Yeah, I guess I am out of touch. That's okay, though. Uh, anything else we gotta touch on here while while we're here? Did what do we think nominated anywhere? Well, Surely it did, right? We're asking for best fighting. I would assume. Let's look. Is there okay. a fighting game category this year? I'm I'm there still is. haven't gone looking through everything, so I'm hearing so, some of these nominees and like what? So we have God of Rock, Mortal sure. Kombat One, Nickelodeon All Stars Brawl Two, Okay, Pocket Bravery. And Street Fighter Six. Like I honestly thought this was going to be in game direction. I'm not going to lie. And that Street Fighter Six did get at least one or two other nominations, but I don't remember for what. Is it an action? Let's see. Loading, loading, loading. No, it is not. Okay. Action. Loaded. While I'm here, Armored Core Six, Dead Island Two, Ghost Runner Two, Hi-Fi Rush. Remnant 2. Don't know why the fuck Dead Island 2 is here. I don't understand it at all. I, I audibly gasped when I was watching the, <laughs> the announcement. Dead, like, Dead what Island the fuck? 2 is supposed to be solid. But why was it nominated for this? Where? Why is Lies of P not here? It's a Souls game. Why, is, why are Lies of P and Final Fantasy 16 not here? Like, it's one thing. Like, I, I was this kind of sense. this conversation wouldn't get brought up again, but we're back at it again. Final Fantasy 16 is it an RPG? Is it not? And now this, this, these, these nominees are just going to stoke the flames of this conversation again. Where it felt like we kind of had it figured out, but then the industry's now going to say, "Eh, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't have it figured out. We're just we're going back to Final Fantasy 16. How fucking dare you? Hi-Fi Rush, please. But I'm not Hi-Fi Rush. I, I, I kind of want to respect to a game I wanted to try but never got around to, and probably never will. Armored Core. I actually feel like you would really like Armored Core. I really, really want to try it, but money. Um, you know, I'll bring up a question that, Peter, I know you were initially wanting to use as a topic, unless you deny me here. Uh, does Keeley address the current state of the industry at all with all the layoffs? Yeah, we should bring it up here then. Yeah, it makes sense to talk about it now. Uh, no, he doesn't. I don't think he does. I think he's going to get more pressure to talk about more real life, more real world events in this show. Because I don't know if you heard about the golden joysticks at all. What was happening there? No, I didn't. I heard bits and pieces. uh, A very famous uh, narrative designer uh, was supposed to do a speech for, they're supposed to present for one of the awards at the golden joystick, but she wasn't allowed to because she was told she's not allowed to talk about Israel, Palestine. So she decided to not show up for that and now people are looking to the keelys to be like are we going to be able to do this here it's like god jeez he's not even going to talk about crunch and layoffs in the industry there's not a chance in hell keely talks about israel palestine i i haven't even gotten to whether or not i think he should i just want i'm just starting off saying there's no chance in hell he does at most he does a vague statement about how developers should be treated better and 
no matter what he says, it'll never be enough for all the people who want him to say something. I gotta be honest. I think one of our problems in society is that we think we need Jeff Keeley's input <laughs> on the conflict yeah. in the Middle East. Yeah, there's like, nothing, nothing Jeff Keeley. There's nothing Jeff Keeley could say that is going to make the IDF go. We should change what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Like that. This is this is what everyone's opinion being on the internet has led up to, and it's that Jeff Keeley must let us know what side he's on. It's he like must. Everyone, everyone, just because we now have a like. Just because we now have avenues to give our opinions for all to see does not mean our opinions have any weight to them. I I would love if there was like I'm pretty sure this is actually like a Bo Burnham joke where if Jeff was basically just like when it comes to the conflict in Israel and Palestine, I feel I need to read up on it. And just left it on there. And then he just says nothing more. <laughs> but again, I don't, I mean, he, there is, I want to be clear, 0% chance he brings up Israel and Palestine. Zero. Negative percent chance. I'm, and I want to ask, do we think he brings up, because Owen, I know he did, but the way he went to Israel and Palestine, so his joystick awards. Mark, do you think he brings up anything about all the constant layoffs this year? I think at the very least he'll make some sort of comment on it. And even as far as like Israel Palestine goes, I feel like he might say like, here's a, a place you can donate to to support refugees i think it could get absolutely not you don't think that at all no i don't think he says that i don't think he says anything i don't think he says a word that even rhymes with israel or palestine he will say absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. i I think chance just for some some sort of charity he brings up offhandedly between an ad and a reveal, maybe. An ad doesn't count. No, no there's but, an ad. But the thing is, is that then it matters who the charity's going to. Um, Peter, the the way you're saying it, do you have an issue if he doesn't bring it up? No. Okay, good. No, like, like I, and again, I'm someone we don't. I'm someone who pays an unhealthy amount of attention to politics. I would like, like, just way more than the average person should or does. We all need to stop expecting every single individual to have, no, regardless of their platform, to have an opinion on every single world event that ever occurs. It's unrealistic. It's non-productive, And all it does is burn average people out on trying to, if you try to have the average citizen focus incredibly much on every single topic, you'll get that. You'll lose them on every single topic. Like, and again, Israel Palestine is an incredibly important, is an incredibly important situation that's going on. But Jeff fucking Keeley is not going to change any minds or do anything to drastically change the situation on the ground, no matter what. Like, he is like, if Jeff Keeley siding with either side, Egyptians are not, the Egyptian government is not all of a sudden going to welcome Palestinian immigrants if it needs to. It's not going to force the IDF to stop bombing innocent refugee camps. Like, these things are not going to happen if Jeff Keighley looks at the camera and says, here at the Game Awards, we love video games, and we also love people. Let's be good to people. And then uh, the crowd just starts fucking breaking into tears because Jeff Keighley saw peace in the Middle East. Like, this isn't going to happen. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not I'm not even trying to say, like, if he should say something, he should have, like, one half, like, have an opinion on one side or the other. It just, 
We need, I just don't think we need to expect everyone to have an opinionate opinion on everything because all it's just unrealistic time. all of the fucking time. I'm, I'm in complete agreement. But I want, I, again, I want to ask again, and I don't want Israel-Palestine shushed for this part. Does he bring up anything about the layoffs, yes or no? I could see a textbook like Jeff Keighley sly comment, but not some official statement. See, I, I don't think go we, ahead, Mark. I don't think we get anything official either. So you, th- you oh, okay, here's where I stand. If he is going to raise hell for his see here, why the reason I don't explain expect him to bring up world events is because he never I don't think Jeff Keighley has ever brought up world events before at the game awards, and I don't expect him to start now. That man went on a tear when Konami was treating his best friend wrong. And if he's going to stand up for the in that individual game developer's rights, I would expect him to bring up the layoffs. I think it's easier for him to take on one company when he has one of the most influential directors in the industry on his side versus let me finish everybody. Let me, let me finish. I don't expect Jeff Keighley to be a consistent human being. Like that's where I was getting at where it's like, I would expect him if he's shown this sort of thing in the past to want to defend a developer who was treated wrongly by a big publisher. But that was Hideo Kojima. That's an e- That is an easy, like, Siding with Hideo Kojima is like going on Twitter and say, we shouldn't kick dogs. And that's not a brave statement. It's a very easy point to have and a very easy side to defend and stand up for. I think that these layoffs are awful. I think that we should be demanding like unionization across the board. But Jeff Keighley, by doing that, would be not only biting the hand that feeds him, he would be cutting it off with a chainsaw. If he stands up to all the publishers who bring awards, who bring announcements to all of his shows and have basically given him, not given him a career, but helped catapult his career to allow that he's a household name in the games industry. He stands up and says, hey, we need to we need to do better by developers. And we need to, you know, basically, if he, if he fully sides with the developers against the publishers, I think his future shows are going to be looking a lot different. And I don't think Healy's ever going to risk something like that. So honestly, should he bring up things about World events he has little to no power involved in. I don't think he should. Should he br- should he bring up something about layoffs in an industry where he does have a massive platform and has many friends and has a- and is in the know in a lot of different places? I think I might lean towards yes, but I'm not going to be heartbroken if he doesn't because I do understand the sad politics that come with it. Yeah, that I mean it's another sort of thing where while he has influence. He doesn't have influence over this. I would disagree to a certain point. I just don't think there's not like a world where, again, a, a developer is getting ready to to make the cuts, and then they hear Jeff Keighley, and they decide like, "Oh no, you're thinking too small." To work extra hard. You're thinking too small. I agree with that. I've, if Jeff Keighley went on there and had a massive like, we have to unionize. 
that could be a spark. I genuinely believe because oh. that has nothing to do with the yeah, publishers. No, he's not doing that. Exactly, but that's what I mean. Like if Jeff, uh, that's why I don't think he'll do anything. If, Jeff, if Jeff, that would be if, Jeff Keeley becoming like a folk hero to the yeah, gaming that, that, industry. That's what I mean. Like, like, but like that's that's exactly what I mean. If he were to go, they'd be like, publishers need to be nice. Nothing will happen. If he gives an impassioned speech about how we need to unionize from the ground up and fight publishers and actually like cr- and change the game industry as we know it. I think that would have a serious ramification if Jeff Keighley helped like that. Are you kidding? I think that would be massive. But let's get the fuck out of here. That would never happen. I think it would be hilarious to see photoshops of Jeff Keighley's face instead of like Che Guevara, uh, che Guevara's face on like yeah. t-shirts. Like, that would be fucking funny. This will never happen. If in the 1% chance it did, I would have an unending respect for Jeff Keighley for the rest of my fucking life. Because again, maybe I, maybe you two, maybe I'm being too much of an uncharacteristic optimist. I really do think if Jeff Keighley got fully behind the idea of unionizing the games industry, I think that would have a massive ram. I think that would have a massive ripple effect. Yeah, no, I I think it would do something for sure. But it will not happen. But if it does, hats off to you, Mister Keighley. Mark, any thoughts on on Keighley the comrade? I I honestly think even if he was like full on support, like far by far beyond the line of what we think would be reasonable to expect from Keeley, I think the needle would not move at all in the industry because I think unionizing really is the only thing that's going to stop anything that are just like a, a very big strike of some sort. Well, that and I maybe, and I think that, I think you would get closer to that happening if well, the man that, with the biggest platform in the games industry started fully supporting that with everything he had again it will never happen but like it to do that is like he would have to rebrand himself like that's what he has to focus on not just like sharing the word that that would certainly help a little bit if he was giving like 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 the thing that would have to happen is like he put out a phone number on the screen call this number and this will like help you figure out how you can could you imagine in though? Your, like, could you imagine life. if he did that? I mean, I would be crazy. It would again it won't cool. happen. But oh my jaw! You would have to get you would have to call nine one one and get a team of five to six people to pick my fucking jaw off mm-hmm. the floor if Keeley did that. I think he'd be assassinated on the stage by like <laughs> the head of what happened in this industry. If he taught, if he just did anything, providing any sort of resource to educate people on how to unionize specifically in this industry on such a scale, that that would be nuts. <laughs> that yeah. would be yeah. Crazy. Oh my god, I do think there is no one other than there is no one with a bigger platform than Keeley that 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 could help that cause than him. There is no one else That's in the industry that can do as much on this on this th- other than the public the individual publishers themselves who are in the companies who will never fucking move because why would they? They're a bunch of fucking corporate elitist assholes. There is no one who could who has more power for this topic than Jeff Keeley. I feel like from the influencer category, you're probably right. But um I think if someone like a Neil Druckmann came out in favor of unionization then that would have a lot of impact but neil i don't know how many like people there are millions and millions of people who watch the game awards are not avid games industry consumers who have even even with and neil Druckmann is one of the few more well-known individuals like hideo kojima or 
Masahiro Sakurai, even then there is still a ceiling that they can reach with their already established audiences. Neil Druckmann saying that he's not going to find a lot of new audiences. Jeff Keighley, well, uh, but this more is, eyes are on him than anyone. This isn't an issue that involves more eyes. It involves the actual industry change. No, I mean, I would disagree with that. I mean, why were the UA? I mean, the UAW, SAG-AFTRA, and the WGA were so, I feel like in part, were so successful because they had such massive support from the public. Well, while that is true, the thing is that these these unions don't even exist. They would need exactly, to exist which, before they could get support. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you want to get public, I mean, what better way than to start the creation of unions in gaming than getting the people who play the games mm-hmm. and buy the games to support the idea of unions for those who make the fucking games? I feel like that'd be an incredible way and, to I start. Mean, and, even then, it's not even just getting gamers on it. Like I was saying, if he presented, like, a number, like, with agencies that are trying to help inform and educate people how to unionize in their local work environments, if you've put all the people, same eyes in the same place, like enough people kind of call and like find out enough people in their own offices are also contacting these same places. Um, that's how things kind of can get started on this small local level. I say local, local being to each one of these companies. You get, you get, you put enough people on the same page and the ball starts rolling at all these different companies. That's, that's really where this kind of would have to start. Would it being at the game awards really be the thing that gets these people together? I imagine behind closed doors, there already are people together at, at major studios. Of course, Activision Blizzard, you know, they're there already. Um, I'd like to think that Ubisoft has a lot of people there, but, but just like, a big cry that, that that could really put people in the same places, strengthen those numbers for these things to start, I think is is like the most substantial thing Jeff Keeley could possibly. And also name me a better show like show me a better platform in the games industry, if not the game awards. There's no there is no better show, there is no other person who could get the amount of eyes and attention than Keeley at the game awards. There's no one. Mm-hmm. This would, I think, in terms of a spark, I think it would. This would be the best shot of it happening. Again, zero percent chance, but I think this is the best out. This is the best possible start mm-hmm. they could have for that spark that just ignites a movement in the games industry. Like you could argue that maybe like something like the Game Developers Choice Awards at the uh, at GDC would be a thing. But I feel like the people who are tuning in for that already support it. They already support it, or they're on the path already where they're going to find. The union, you know, like how many people do you think knew about SAG after SAG after WGA and the UAW before these strikes? Very little, but because so much of the public caught eye and caught wind of it because you had prominent individuals with massive platforms educate them and talk about these things. SAG after WGA and the UAW, they are now household names or at least extremely more well known. And even though unions don't exist, the idea of the lack of unions in the games industry, you want a good place to start telling people how bad, how bad, how ba- uh, about how bad things are and how to start. No better place in the games industry than Jeff Keighley. Well, we're going to have to wait to see if Jeff Keighley starts a revolution at the Game Awards. <laughs> no, I don't like your <laughs> condescending laugh it's, it's, on this. I don't care for it. Of course, it's, it's a very low chance of it happening, but... I j- I mean name me a better way that name me a better name me a more realistic better way that massive unionization starts in the games industry if not at the game awards. I mean it it could. 
I don't think I don't expect uh Jeff Keeley to be like No, I just don't I don't expect this. And I think like, I don't expect it we, either. We just, Mark, we just Mark, went down a whole route of maybe Jeff Keeley would inspire non-game industry people to start their own unions. But we just <laughs> saw this with three other prominent unions. You're talking Peter, about Peter, like, this hypothetical world, but we live in a real world where these things just occurred. Peter, in the way that you yelled at Mark for uh, Tears of the Kingdom, just like completely warping his mind and perspective, I'm going to I'm gonna have to say that your political consumption is is warping your mind and perspective. I would right argue now. that when we started this podcast, I was Mr. Nihilist, and now you have happily taken over that role, whereas I've gotten more positive over time, is I think, what I will say. I think what I would say is that, like... And again, not, I do not think this is likely. It's just a possibility and something I think is interesting to talk about. Mark, go ahead. I was going to say that I think, just the shit that was going on with Activision Blizzard a couple of years ago... That like the industry has already had a tipping point of this could this could be happening soon and like we haven't had a big step forward since then. Game developers have still not had you know that quality of life improvement in the workforce at all. So like there there's just it's only a matter of time until something pushes enough people forward. And I'm not saying that Jeff Keighley has the keys to make it happen, but who knows? He's got the biggest stick in the games industry. Is what I am saying. And he is not likely to swing that stick, but he has the biggest stick. That's all Mark and I are saying. I wouldn't say Owen finds that preposterous. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he has like the biggest platform to do something like super substantial. He has a huge platform that something could come from it. I I can't I would not bet any money that there's a guarantee this. Nor I. That's another thing. Mark Mark believed that Zelda shit. That's why it warped his mind. Everything I'm saying about Keeley and the Game Awards and unions is not going to happen, but it is interesting to talk about. Sorry that... Uh, oh, and if you want to go pick more categories we didn't talk about that Alan Wake 2 is going to win, we could talk about that. I mean, I got categories. I'm looking at... now, and I'm actually looking at the nominees. I'm just like, why didn't you guys want to talk about that Mario Wonder is nominated for Best Multiplayer? Well, because After it everything gives into your platform and, so, your, and your... Yeah. I think we should wrap up this episode, and I'll just say that the single person that could have the biggest impact on unions being formed in the game industry would probably be Taylor Swift. See, okay, we're talking about me being in my political bubble, you being in your fucking fucking Taylor Swift bubble. Let me guess what she said. Karma is the guy in the Chiefs. You fucking came in your pants, I'm guessing. No, my girlfriend did. I I didn't really care much about that. Oh, yeah, of course. No, Um, you're too big for that. But uh, if if we're being honest, she could literally just like make an Instagram story that like Naughty Dog needs to unionize, and the world would change. Am I wrong? I I, I, I think I think you'd be right, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like like I was saying, it just the industry's in a spot where it just needs enough pressure, I think, to push it. Jeff Keeley, someone could has do it. to push. Also, could do it. I would agree. <laughs> okay. This has been BNY episode 113. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Fuck you, Final Fantasy 16. Oh,